0: Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale.
1: It is Thursday night, and if you can hear our voices, you're exactly where you need to be. She is Karen Frazier. I am Rick Hale. This is Paranormal Underground Radio at HazyRadio.com. Welcome, Karen. What? Now, before we talk anything about our uh, about our guest, um, let's talk about you a little bit. Oh, God. I That's-
2: shouldn't have told you that. Okay, I know ev- exactly what you're going to do to me, aren't you? Okay,
1: everybody. Okay, Karen has been... Um, <laughs> She's been nominated for favorite horror paranormal author. Uh, favorite with, uh, horror
2: par- I'm not a horror paranormal.
1: I, th- I thought that's what you said. Anyways, horror. um. <laughs> oh, okay. So she has been nominated for the Haunted Awards ceremonies. See, now I think that's haunted wonderful. Entertainment ha- haunted know. entertainment. I got the middle finger, but I'm not surprised by that. That's but because Karen- you just called me a horror. I did not call you. A, oh no, a horror author. Sorry, oh, it's my, it's my see, Chicago I you were accent. The
2: favorite horror paranormal
1: author. <laughs> no. I don't know who else besides me would be in that category. Do you think? No, <laughs> you. So, sorry, sorry, it's my Chicago <laughs> accent. But um, no, seriously, why don't you tell us a little bit about it, Karen? We're interested.
2: I don't know a darn thing about it. I got a notice that I was nominated. What else okay. do you want to know? As favorite horror par- I like that horror paranormal author. <laughs>
1: yeah horror sorry
2: you know it's like so i guess it's something that they do and i i don't know really and people nominate and um it's like on facebook and people vote and i think there's 10 people in each category and he's not done listing the categories so Mm -hmm. i'm sure that you know there will be other other categories as well like there's favorite paranormal group and um Mm -hmm. that's about it so far
1: See, I like the ones where they like they give an award for the sexiest ghost hunter, sexiest ghost hunter. That's and, well,
2: uh, I should, I, I I would win that as well. Uh,
1: yeah, you know what though, it's all in fun.
2: Excuse me, it is. It's all. It is. Fun. I well, what was funny is my son was with me when he found out, and, and when I when I got the thing, I was like, oh, well what is this? And he, and ever since then, he's been saying whenever I ask him to do anything anything for a haunty or he's what was the other one he said he said i can't believe my mom's a haunty he thinks it's hilarious
1: well you know what though it is it's it's nice to be recognized
2: it is it you know is nice to because be... your
1: books are great oh thank you you're welcome i hear too yet yeah, well i think we all know that that goes without saying it does it does um so hey you know Like I said, it's all in good fun. You know, there's like a thousand different categories, I'm sure. So good luck. I will be placing that on my Facebook page because I have like over 300 friends on mine. Oh,
2: there you go. And and, and I I think you should put it as the horror paranormal writer because I find that hilarious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. uh, But you know what? And a lot of my friends are ones that I'm associated with from Europe. So you may get some uh, you may have a little international appeal there.
2: You know, I figure because of the people I'm up against, I'll probably, you know, I'll, I'll maybe get one or two
1: votes, and right, that'll be good. Well, no, I mean, you have about seven the so same far. amount
2: of people who read my book, maybe one or two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, the books are great. I mean, I loved them both. Um, I actually i uh, I passed the second one off to Chuck, so you know, he said he'll get it back to me. I was like, take your time, man. I've already read it twice. Oh, of mine? Yeah, yeah. You're yeah the second one. Dancing uh, with the Afterlife. Oh, you but, actually
2: read it twice.
1: I did. I did read it twice. I, re- I, like I told you once before, Karen. You're the reason why I even came to Paranormal Underground. So, oh, that's so sweet. It's, it's so true. Shed a tear, moi. So, um, <laughs> tonight on the show, we're going to be welcoming uh, Bill Bean, and I'm sure that many of you are familiar with Bill Bean. He is the author of the book Dark Force, and he him and his family suffered through one of those, um, what they call now an extreme haunting. Um, I think that that the ghost, you know, chugs a Mountain Dew or something and then goes a haunting. But, um, he, (laughs) he he was on an episode of a haunting called house of the dead. And, uh, you know, I'm a little bit familiar with the story and I'm, I also, I saw the episode of a haunting and, um, what him and his family went through is nothing short of horrific. So we'll be talking to him about that tonight.
2: Yeah. Um, I plan to have more nightmares because, you know, these things apparently lately have been scaring me. Seriously? <laughs> I, I thought I
1: thought you They're were more not. afraid of, like, alien abduction.
2: Um, I am. It's the demon stuff. It's because after we interviewed Bishop Long. Oh, that's right. You didn't know because you didn't do that show with us. I no. actually that night had a nightmare.
1: Seriously? About
2: what we had talked about. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: That's because deep down inside, in your subconscious... You 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 firmly believe that this these kind of things do happen?
2: Well, I do think that darker hauntings happen.
1: Absolutely. I mean, hell, yeah. I've been pushed and punched once or a couple times, so you know. But to me, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, I <laughs> um, you know, I I've never taken a punch uh, mm-hmm. as as a from a human or a a ghost, and yep. I don't plan to. I I have a hunch. I have a weak chin. Okay. No. And not only that, but I also cannot throw a punch. I've never thrown a punch. I've um, never,
1: I've never been in a fight. I apparently, have
2: a fight. I have been told I make the fist wrong.
1: So there how you go. How do you make how do you make a fist wrong? Do you like tuck the thumbs inside the other fingers? Because that's just I exactly.
2: That's exactly what I do.
1: I don't know. I mean, you know what? I grew up on uh, boxing, of course, being, you know, from a predominantly Irish-American family. We all love boxing and drinking for some reason. But, um, you know, it's like I was taught at a very early age how to, like, you know, fight and box and stuff like that. And uh, I'm just, I'm not a fighter, man. I'm a lover, you know?
2: I think I could maybe get in a
1: slap fight and do okay. A slap fight? <laughs> yeah come here you that's that is that is awesome
2: hey you know there are a lot of things i you know my my son tells me that he's you know that i'm a very um what's the word i'm looking for a very progressive woman a very a feminist he says you know my mom's a raging feminist is what he tells his friends but in spite of that
1: i have a lot of really girly traits um there's but from from what i understand from feminism it's like feminism <laughs> is about choice
2: It is. Uh, It's exactly. It's about being who you are, whatever it is you want to be. And, you know, whether you choose to be the happiest homemaker in the world, because that's where your joy and your bliss is, or whether you choose to be a driven career person or somewhere in between. Absolutely. That's what feminism is about.
1: Right. And, you know, it's it's funny because I was talking to my wife about this the other day and and she actually had a well, a, a I married to the family member said that uh, oh wow it must be great being a stay at home mom you know you get to watch TV and eat bonbons all day I'm not kidding you Jamie's head I, I, I in my mind I saw it, it like explode well it, you know what being a stay at home mom is that is a job and a half man I mean that's like that's yeah that's some that's heavy duty stuff
2: well so I've been most of Tanner's life I've been a work at home mom. Mm -hmm. And what I learned very early on when Tanner was a baby is that moms are ridiculously competitive. Yeah. Not all moms, but there's a subset of moms out there who are A, ridiculously competitive and B, ridiculously judgmental of someone who makes choices other than what the choices that they've made. And, you know, I've stayed out of that for years because Mm – um, I've made a lot of choices that people would consider to be as a as a professional person less successful choices because I chose to make my career come in second to, you know, yeah. second second to my um my child.
1: But you know what though, Tanner is a great kid and he's got a lot of great characteristics and qualities. And that he would get from you. like With Theo, Theo's not even three yet. He says his ABCs. He can count to 20. He knows all of his colors. And he knows how to dress himself. He knows how to go to the bathroom by himself. And why is that? Because Jamie works with him. And that's why. Because it's like, you have a great kid. I hope to have a great kid one day because... Oh, he's adorable. Y'all, yo, thank you. No, he is. But, you know, it's like, Tanner is a great kid because you took the time and the effort to be mom.
2: Well, but it's it's not just moms. Moms aren't the only thing that shape kids. Dads do too,
1: absolutely.
2: And and so I get so frustrated. And I know this is really far afield of the paranormal, and I'm sorry, guys. But I just get it's one of the things that actually really frustrates me is when people look at a choice, the choices that a woman makes with regards to child rearing and working, and they judge those choices. Right. It's it's it just and whatever that choice is.
1: Right. No, I've seen that, too. And, you know, you talk about with the dad, with with the dad also being there to help, you know, form. You watch a lot of, like, these commercials and television shows where the dad is, like, a raging moron. Or at least that's how they paint him to be.
2: They do. The men are painted just as negatively in the the media as women are.
1: Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like, I'm not a moron. I mean, I may not be the smartest guy in the world, but I'm certainly not a raging idiot. And, you know, it's just... You have like, the
2: sense you were born with, yes.
1: Exactly. So, you know, when you watch some of these shows, it's like, oh, my God, you know, they make Dad look like he's um, one of the Three Stooges. But, yeah, it's like, you know what, it, it, the the parents, they shape their kids. That's why, you know, with the kids that I work with, when I hear about their stories and stuff, I just want to go up to their parents and shake the hell out of them and say, you did this. You know what I'm no, saying? It's just, this,
2: it's, it's it just makes, makes me angry. Mind. It's a cycle, and a lot of the parents don't have the tools um, to parent effectively, and when we know better, we do better. Mm -hmm. And so instead of shaking parents who do that, you maybe try and help them find the tools. That's what I found. I mean, I thought when I started working as a guardian ad litem for abused and neglected kids, Mm -hmm. I thought, um, you know, oh, my God. I'm going to hate these parents. Look what they've done to their children. And really what I found is that I had a lot of compassion for those parents because those parents almost never stood a chance in the first place because of the way they were parented. And, you know, you see these kids and you see this cycle that goes on and on and on, whether it's because of poverty um, or drug use, sure. or just you know mental illness, there's all sorts of reasons, but it's really yeah. it's 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 sad no, so it is sad. so <laughs> I get it, but when we know better, we do better, and so what you do is you empower people to do better
1: right exactly
2: that's my so, philosophy
1: no and and you're absolutely correct on that it's um it, it's it's just kind of like a knee jerk reaction you know yeah. but but you're absolutely right there they have there is um a cycle there, and a lot of people have had it in their families for years and years and years. Um, yeah. And a lot of people are able to break that cycle. So, yep. you know, yep. kudos to them.
2: Takes a village.
1: Exactly. So, anything else that's going on?
2: Um, well, so we're off next week on Halloween. Yes.
1: A, a paranormal show that is going to be off on Halloween. This is
2: I know, stuff. right? So, um, you know, I'm sure that Zeta... We'll be playing something equally wonderful uh, while we're gone. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so this is our last show before Halloween, and we hope to make it a scary one for you. Yeah, but you're not a Halloween fan, though. I'm not a fan of Halloween, um, but, you know, a lot of the subjects that we cover sort of have to do with Halloween. Yeah. And so I wind up being... um, Asked to do things for Halloween anyway. Like I just um, pre-recorded an interview for um, the Denise Richards show, mm-hmm. uh, Girl on Fire, that is going to play on Halloween.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
2: you know, or writing articles for people or that type of thing. And
1: it's okay. It's, oh, my God. Karen. What? You're up to 11 votes. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I just, I, just, I just wanted to interrupt you with that. And this,
2: folks, is why I'm not going to win <laughs> <laughs> I'm so popular, eleven people like me I'm
1: so gonna post this on my Facebook page.
2: oh my God,, oh, that just cracks me up I, I yeah, well, I'm a haunty. What can you say? there you go? Uh also since we are at are on our last show of October um something that you and I talk about every year because it means a lot to both of us uh yes. October is breast cancer awareness month mm-hmm. um I'm not a huge fan of the pink washing and the pink ribbon things and all of that stuff but mm-hmm. I am I am a fan of screening both my sister and a very close family friend who has since passed of something else um found their breast cancer and got early intervention
1: because of screening yeah that's and that's exactly what you need my grandmother um she was native American from the deep south and when a you know when a white doctor tells you that hey, everything's okay, you listen to what that doctor tells you, and she did and six months later it you know she yep. it started out as breast cancer and she died from cancer and my mom next year will be twenty three years survivor
2: wow, wow, yeah. I think my sister's coming up on um she's just passed five years, i think
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, it's you know from what I understand that once you get past that that like I think it's like a five or ten year mark. It's a five then they year kind mark. Of look, five year mark, and then it's like mm-hmm. you're okay. Well, well, for the for the most part, you you know your chances of you know yeah. surviving it are greater than not.
2: Yeah, exactly. All right, so we need to go to break. Yes. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking some spooky stuff. So stick around. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier. I'm here with my co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio, Rick Hale. Hi everyone. We invite you to join Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network to explore the unexplained every Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific and other times in the flyover states.
1: <laughs> each week we talk with investigators in the field, researchers, authors, and experts about topics that include paranormal investigation, ufology, cryptozoology, and spirituality.
2: So please join us each Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern for Paranormal Talk with great guests right here on Hazy. Radionetwork.com.
0: Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine.
3: And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions.
0: If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Visit us today at ParanormalUnderground.net and get a 12-month digital subscription for 15% off the cover price. Do you want to keep up with what's going
2: on at Paranormal Underground?
3: Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG.
2: Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground.
3: There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today.
2: This is Karen Fraser, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington, in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, A Paranormal Memoir, my Wellington story continues. Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife, or to read an excerpt from the book, visit dancingwiththeafterlife.com. Thank you. This is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network.
1: The views expressed and the opinions given
2: by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey,
1: everybody, welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. We are your hosts, Karen and Rick. Um, ideally, uh, Bill Bean, uh, author of Dark Force, uh, is supposed to be joining us tonight. We are trying to connect with him. So, um, you're going to have to listen to us either breathe in dead air for the next five, ten minutes, tops, or Karen has something to say. Karen.
2: Well, it's a good, it you know, it's a good thing I have a whistly nose if they're going to be listening to us, uh, <laughs> breathe, you know, because they can hear my allergies better. So, well, I figure, actually, we have a built-in interview subject here with us, Rick. Okay. Because I know that you tend to be a little modest about your book, but it's something that we've never really covered in depth on the show.
1: Okay. So, let's talk about your book. The book is called... The Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeist, Ghosts, and Demons. Okay.
2: And so, um... You are planning a series of these, correct?
1: Correct. Um, from what I understand, the uh, next book is about aliens. And the third book, the trilogy, because, you know, all nerds do things in trilogies. <laughs> um, and the uh, third book is about cryptozoology.
2: Okay. So why did you decide to do the demons and, and stuff first?
1: Well, I think that with, um, you know, with Psychic manifestations, psychical phenomenon, ghost hauntings, whatever you prefer to call it. Um, or I, I like I like what Scott Grunewald called it one time. He called it "Transparent Americans."
0: Oh
2: yes.
1: <laughs> I thought about stealing that, but he uses it all the time. But no, it's uh, it's what I know more about. Um, you know my you know having my first experience when I was eight years old with seeing an apparition. That was what set me on the path of looking at. All things that one would consider was weird, strange, and unusual um that kind of thing it was like it was it's my it's my first love in the the umbrella term that we use the paranormal,
2: yeah, and you have a tremendous depth of knowledge about oh, about the paranormal i mean you've done this for a long time you've you know since you were a a kid so one of the things i don't know if we've ever actually really talked about it you say i've been doing this for so many years Mm
1: -hmm. why did you start well, I started when it was um, my I, I I grew up on the north side of Chicago, uh, kind of like between the north side of Chicago and the far northern suburbs. Because my parents got divorced when I was at a at a very young age, so my my dad lived in Chicago, my mom lived out here, but um, my grandparents lived in Franklin Park, Illinois, which is on the northwest side. And one night. It was during the summer. Now, first off, let me, just, let me just preface it with this. We always knew that there was something weird in the house. You would feel like cold spots moving around. Always kind of had the sense of somebody watching. And occasionally, you would hear what sounded like footsteps mm-hmm. walking up and down the hall. And um, in this hallway is the bathroom is on one side and there was a closet on the other and to the other side is a room. Um, if you're familiar with like, you know, more or less like urban city kind of apartments, there is this long hallway that connects the front of the house to the back of the house. And it was a summer night and my cousin Chris and I were, you know, we were spending the night with my grandparents. I was eight years old. And I got up to use the bathroom. I don't even think we had fallen asleep yet because we were still, like, you know, talking. We had just gotten done watching Star Wars on Laserdisc, which was, you know, of course, totally awesome at the time. And um, (laughs) so, I mean, there was no talk of, you know, ghost spirits, anything of that sort. If anything, there was just the force. Wait, Laserdiscs,
2: those are the big record album ones, right?
1: Oh yeah, they were so. We few have there, back in we the day. have
2: laser discs
1: still. Seriously, you still have laser discs? Yes,
2: because Jim won't let me throw them away because he thinks
1: that they'll be valuable someday. <laughs> you know what? He could be right. I mean, they're you know people mm-hmm. they collect this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to want to collect these because, as I understand it, it's the laser discs have been used as frisbees a few times by perhaps other people who live in the house. Anyway, so you'd finish watching Star Wars on laser disc
1: yeah and we were up. It was maybe about eleven o'clock at night and um I got up to use the bathroom now. My grandmother always left the bathroom light on for us, so we knew where we were going because this long this was like a house that was built sometime in the eighteen sixties, and you know there were when electricity came along, they used it very sparingly in these older homes, and so there was no light in the hallway so I remember I got up to use the bathroom and I'm walking towards the hall and I see the light on in the bathroom and all of a sudden I hear click and the light goes off. Mm. So it's like, I'm like this little kid and I'm stuck here in the dark (laughs) and I can barely (laughs) see. The only light actually coming through was from the bedroom across the hallway. It was like the moonlight was shining through. So I could see a little bit, just a tiny bit, but I'm standing there and I'll admit, you know, I was a little, there was, you know, I was afraid, you know, I'm eight years old. Sure. And all of a sudden, this woman walks out of the bathroom and I've never seen this woman before. At first I thought it was, you know, my good, my grandmother, but my grandmother was, was a very short woman. I think she was maybe about five feet tall and this was a this was a much taller woman, probably maybe not. I'm not going to say six feet tall, but maybe about five seven, five eight, somewhere around there. And she comes out of the bathroom, and um, lo and behold, she has no legs. Uh. She's floating out of the bathroom, but walking, and she looks down at me, and she says, and she had an Irish accent. She said, "What a sweet boy." and then walked off i i'm I'm not kidding you i am i am getting chills when i talk about this story still still yeah i mean 30 some odd years later and i watch her she walks down the hallway towards the kitchen and just poof disappears
2: so how did your eight-year-old brain process that
1: now here's not, now that's that's the strange thing. Normally, you would think that like an eight year old would be completely terrified and oh my god, I'm going to run and get my grandparents. I remember standing there, feeling okay. I had no bad feelings from this apparition. In fact, she seemed like a very sweet grandmotherly type, and um, I wasn't afraid. In fact, I was. If anything, even at eight years old, I was completely fascinated. And it turns out that this was the spirit of Mrs. McNett. She was the wife of the man who was still very much alive and still, and still owned the building that my grandparents lived in. And um, she, they were both from Ireland. I think they were from... Um, um, oh, god, I think, I think I want to say Cork somewhere, County Cork. And they were... She had died 10 years previously to when this happened. But now my uncle, Lewis had seen her on numerous occasions. And my grandmother, when I I told her about it, finally, she was like, don't worry about it. I talk to Mrs. McNett all the time. Hmm. So, you know, it was like, it it was almost as if this was, like, fated to be.
2: Well, sure it was. I mean, because it set the course for the rest of your life.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, it's like, I can even, I even can still hear her voice in my head saying what a sweet boy and then walking off you know what and it's it's such a heart to to me and maybe to some people who listen and other people like dude whatever it's very heartwarming because this was a woman who was still her consciousness was still very much alive
2: right I get that Yeah, yeah I totally get that
1: Yeah, and then that's why I kind of don't really buy into the whole thing that, you know, with with spirits, you know, with the residual haunts that, you know, the reason that they don't have legs is because, well, you know, the floor is five inches taller or whatever. Not this time. I don't know why she wouldn't have any legs. Um, Well,
2: maybe that's what she could manifest.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, that was just, um, it was a very sweet I, I I I could still remember it to this day, like it just happened yesterday, and that was yeah. thirty almost thirty two years ago,
0: and
2: that was the beginning of Rick Hale Ghost Hunter.
1: Yep, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, one of the things that I find that's interesting
1: mm-hmm.
2: is that is one of the words in your title. Do you know which one?
1: Uh, demon. Yeah. Okay.
2: So, the reason I find that interesting is because I thought you didn't really believe in that.
1: Well, I don't believe in demon from the fallen angel aspect of the word. You know, that I mean, a bunch of guys that got together with uh-huh. Lucifer and went against God, and God, you know, threw him out of heaven. I'm not a Christian. Right. So, it doesn't really figure into my uh, belief system. But, however, with that being said there are plenty of stories with every single ancient um society on on uh, that's walked the face of this planet that they have stories of demonic spirits or spirits that we would call demons but this is this is primarily a western word this is a very right. christian word right um, the ancient indians they had the rakshasas which were man eaters um the Oh, uh, uh, the Chinese—they had the Shang Tzu, which was kind of like a vampire uh, sort of demon, but it didn't suck your blood; it took your life force. Right. And then you had the ancient Babylonians. They had they had an entire pantheon of of demonic entities, like the Lamashtu and the Lilith, and um, and the Pazuzu, which was you know popularized in the book or in, in the book and in the movie of The Exorcist. Um, they had an entire pantheon. And a lot of people think that's where we get the idea of a demon from. And it probably is, but the word demon comes from the Greek and it means learned one, enlightened one. And there was a time actually before Christianity as a worldwide religion, as well as political powerhouse took over. Demons were actually considered to be very helpful.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So hmm. it's like, when I say demons, I'm I'm using a very generalized term to describe something, and if I remember correctly, I believe I even go into, in the book that, you know, about my beliefs concerning demons. Um,
0: well,
2: and I've heard you use the word inhuman before, yeah. and 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 that tends to be my belief system about what a demon is—a is spirit that hasn't incarnated as a human being and therefore may lack a certain understanding about how humans are. Right. And that well, could cause a lot of misunderstanding and maybe a lot of things that to us seem very scary but aren't necessarily exactly. malicious in intent.
1: Right. And you gotta think too, it's like take um take the ancient you know Celts for example. They had a huge belief system concerning inhuman entities the 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 fae the gentry the good people right. little people right they're human entities
2: right exactly so um okay so apparently Cheryl tells me that Bill is now about ready to join us oh fantastic so, yeah so anyway Cheryl while you're dialing up Bill uh Rick's book is the geek's guide to paranormal
1: is to it- strange and unusual
2: strange and un- you you say it
1: the geek's guide to the strange and unusual poltergeist ghosts and demons there you go Read it. (laughs) It's It's eye candy.
3: Hello. There he is. Hey, Bill. I am so sorry. I really (laughs) apologize. I I got tied up, and I I just finally got clear. I cannot believe it.
2: It's all right because we were able to um, do some shameless self promotion for Rick's book while we were waiting. So it's all good.
3: Awesome. See, that's so right it out. Rick's got an awesome book, and the promotion should be plentiful
0: that's
2: yes. right, that's right, so we it's are on the air stuff. bill
3: oh cool, thank you guys so much for having me on and again, a thousand apologies and uh just I'm so thankful that I was able to finally get clear to where I could uh, make the call and let you know that I was ready.
1: No worries, but i I do have this to ask you it's 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 a burger run it's a burger run, right that's yeah, what happened.
3: yeah, I wish. <laughs> i Went out to White uh, Castle. I, I haven't even eaten dinner yet. I'm, I'm stuck in Washington, D.C., and I'm actually headed home now. So uh, I will be eating quite a bit when I get home. I'm starving, but no, I, I wish it was something like that. Again, I'm really, really sorry because I was very much looking forward for you know being on the whole uh, the whole show.
2: Well, we Next got you one. here now, so yep. we're good to go.
3: Awesome. So- well, you guys ask away whatever you want to ask. It, uh, it, it doesn't matter. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I'm just a walking miracle from God and I okay. can never thank God and praise God enough for, uh, where I'm at now, you know, in, in having such a horrific, um, childhood and with these terrible things that happened, uh, to be where I'm at now is quite miraculous.
1: Well see I, I mean, we think that's fantastic. I mean that's that's awesome that that you know works for you. So let's let's yeah, qualif- let's starting.
3: let's
2: qualify that a little bit. Um for our sure. listeners who don't know why are you a miracle? What happened?
3: Well, um my life and, and really my family was destroyed by demonic forces and I do not say that lightly. It's very true and um the activity really uh It really intensified when we moved into a three bedroom ranch style home located in Gloveburning, Maryland, and uh, in a community called Herondale. And we had, I found out my first book is called Dark Force. And in Dark Force, you know, I I talk about this uh, in chronological order. But I found out after writing Dark Force that, um, according to a family member, uh, many, many years ago, a family member did something to actually conjure up this evil. And it came upon the family probably uh, in the early to mid-50s. And I believe that that dark force actually led us to that house where evil was already present and manifest. And that's why it was so severe for my family and I. And it greatly contributed to the destruction of my family.
1: Well, what exactly did this this previous family or family member do that would, you know, cause something of this
3: magnitude? Well, I was told that it was some sort of ritual, you know, to conjure up uh, demonic forces. And if that's true, and again, this was long before I came into the world, but if it's true, then it certainly would explain the severity of the situation and why um, my family was just absolutely decimated and devastated as well from this garbage, and I have very little family left now, you know, most of my family is gone, and um, some of them gone way too soon, and from very tragic and uh, bizarre circumstances, and uh, just um, it's unfathomable uh, when you look back, certainly uh, it, the gravity of it all didn't hit me until I sat down to write dark force and I had to relive all of those things, and I just thought, how did we do it? You know, how did we live it for so long? And um, my mom was the first to have an experience. And I knew from the beginning, I was four years old when we moved into the house. My sister was 13. And my brother uh, was a newborn. He was one. That's a um, huge age gap. Oh, yeah. And uh, well, my sister was born in 57. And in 63, there was a child born and I never could get the clear circumstances on what happened, how this child died. All I know is uh, that the child lived for a very short period of time and died, and then John Hopkins Hospital came and took the remains for studies, and that's all I know. Why, I have no idea, but uh, I was born in 66, and my brother was born in 69. That's a uh, lot
2: of years of child-rearing, man. Yeah, it is.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And, uh you know, by all accounts, my parents were happy. They were married in 56. And uh, yet things began to change when we moved into this house in 1970. And, again, I was four years old when we moved in there. But I was frightened. You know, my first uh, recollections of the house, the first time I saw the house, I was frightened. It had a very ominous look and feel about it. The house was located at the bottom of a downhill cul-de-sac and it was semi-dilapidated. My dad was a master carpenter, and he saw this as a restoration project, which he did a great deal of work to it, making it, uh, you know, look very nice. And, um, my parents were very good people. Not religious. They believed in God, but we had never attended church as children. We were never baptized or anything like that. And my mom was the first to have an experience in the house. It, uh, a couple days after we moved in, it took place in the living room while she was unpacking and organizing. My dad had taken us with him to his parents' house for the day to allow my mother to uh, have what she thought would be peace, you know, while doing this. And uh, it was during the course of this that she felt a presence. Mm -hmm. And she thought in her mind that it was my dad sneaking back in to play a joke on her. But um, she spun around fully anticipating on seeing him and was hoping to startle him first and her shock, you know, nothing was there. So, as you can imagine, she was perplexed by it and taken aback and, uh, uh, you know, eventually able to collect herself, and it wasn't long after that that one of the bedroom doors slammed shut by itself, and that was enough to make her go outside and wait until we returned. So that's where it began, and it gradually escalated into violent physical attacks on us by these demonic entities.
1: Right. So we're talking like this thing just went straight through the, uh, to the throat. There was no uh, progression, uh, well, s- a subtle there's, progression. There's... Sound... Okay.
3: Yeah. You know, it started in the subtle way with those noises and feelings of presence, and then the physical stuff came in. And, you know, when it did, uh, it was a sustained attack. You know, the first time that I was physically attacked took place uh, in 1971 at the age of five. Oh and goodness. these physical attacks went on for many, many years while living in it. We lived in the house for 10 years. And it uh, that in itself is just remarkable that we were able to stand it for that long. But I'll tell you, um, again, my parents were good people. They were social drinkers. Mm-hmm. They had family gatherings in the beginning. But um, my dad's character and demeanor began to change. Uh, not long after moving into the house, and, and I'm sorry to say that he had eventually turned into a raging alcoholic who began to physically abuse my mother on a regular basis between 1973 and 1975, nearly killing her on several occasions. You know, I can recall being wow. eight years old having to run to, to a neighbor's house to get the police call on my dad. You know, these are horrible memories. And I have no doubt, based on what I saw, that these demonic forces were actually able to manipulate uh, while under the influence of alcohol, uh, able to really intensify and fuel his rage towards my uh, mother. And it is really miraculous that he didn't kill her. I mean, it was getting to that level and he had left us in 1975 and thank God he did because uh, again, I'm convinced that he would have killed her had he stayed. And that's when my mom came under regular physical attack from two entities in particular, uh, from 75 until, uh, 80. That's, that's when we finally moved from the house. But I had learned that after leaving the house, my mom was still being attacked up until the time of her untimely death, which, you know, it wasn't long after moving out of the house. Right. Two tragedies occurred within two months and two days of each other, and and that was my beloved grandmother Dora Harvey died from a, such a series of heart attacks, and then two months and two days later, my beloved mother Patricia Bean died from a cerebral hemorrhage at the age of forty four. Um, neither of my parents lived to see the age of fifty. My dad was shot to death in nineteen eighty seven at the age of forty eight.
1: Goodness. So, I. It, it it really does beg the question though, because uh, with demons, let's face it, demons are really, you know, I don't I don't understand why this would be a popular thing with people, but um, it, it, d- d- does does that not drive you just a little bit crazy, Bill?
3: It does drive me crazy because you know I've for the last several years, you know, I've given well over a thousand interviews and I've traveled the country and. Sure. And some people, some young people say, oh, that's so cool, I would love to experience that. And I'd say, <laughs> stop it right there.
2: No. No,
3: you no. would not. This is not fun. This is not cool. It's not a game. And this could be deadly. And I've warned people about this all the time. This is not a game. And for people who want to go out there and uh, you know seek these things out, you are literally swimming with sharks. And right. I highly... Highly advise not to do it.
2: Well, I can't yeah. understand why someone would wish to conjure a demon anyway.
3: I wish I had the answer to that. I don't know, but you know, people make choices. We're all free to make our choices in life. God gave us free will. And some people, for whatever reasons, um, gravitate to darkness and gravitate. Towards having that darkness in their life, maybe you know. And I've read the stories about um, kids that turn to Satanism. They've been bullied, and they felt that they had a source of power by you know turning to Satanism and and literally selling their souls to the devil and things of that nature. And I actually performed an exorcism and deliverance for a kid that same type of mo there to where he uh, he had suffered. Uh, Sexual abuse, and then he, um, and then he got involved, you know, with Satanism, and he told me that he sold his soul to the devil. And I'll tell you, that was a very, very intense uh, meeting with that young man, and it turned into a all-out exorcism and deliverance. And I praise God for working through me to help that young man, and he's doing very well now. But what a battle! And just what a horrible thing to uh, to get all this story and the information of what that young man had gone through and the way that he felt. And for yeah. God to come and, and deliver him from that is just wonderful. That's but, what so he did that as what as what a ch- all about now.
2: He did that as a child?
3: Uh, he was unfortunately molested, sexually molested as a child. So this, oh. this young man was already marked right from the beginning. Uh, and then he felt, uh, you know, he started going through the bull, uh, being bullied and things of that nature, and he already had that, you know, terrible thing uh, in his life, that that wicked thing that took place. And so he felt that um, that he was being filled, and he felt like he was uh, empowered by turning to Satanism, and, and boy, okay. I'll tell you, I mean, he was, he had the daggers and all kind of stuff. I mean, he had, he was... He was in and put curses and hexes on people and all this stuff. Yeah.
2: Right. So you say that with your family that it's very likely that somebody back in a generation or something had yeah. summoned this. So does the average guy walking down the street, I mean, is he in danger or do you have to do something or have have some way to bring it on? Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah. I'm not asking it well.
3: People... Are generally, the the people who are closed off to everything, generally can make it through life without having any types of experiences. You know, it's it's the people who are open or the family has had experiences and something happens to them which causes them to be open. It's the people who are more open and more sensitive that have the experiences. And, And whether it is divine or evil, and in my case, I've had Many evil and now many divine experiences as well. So, uh, yeah, I do believe that, that something has to take place and something has to happen for that person to become open and, and cognizant, I guess, of, uh, what is taking place in a supernatural way.
2: Right. But can you protect yourself? Because I'm a very, I'm a very open person. And, um, so I have, paranormal type experiences and, and divine type experiences all of the time but what you're saying is that openness is also a weakness because there's susceptibility there so how do I protect myself from that
3: well the way I protect myself is uh, and I didn't come to preach a sermon but I came to speak the truth and uh, God is first in my life I love God with every fiber of my being and I love my friend neighbor and brother as I would myself that's that's how I live. And to this day, I say two, uh, prayers every single day. One is a spiritual warfare prayer. I say that before bed every night. And the other is a daily affirmation prayer. And I say that every morning, declaring victory in the new day, every day. And that really changed my life because for so long, you know, after being, uh, in this terrible, garbage for so long, and being oppressed, and each and every one of us came under demonic oppression at various times while living in the house. We all did things that were way out of character for us, and after being, you know, uh, under that for so long, as I went into my adult years, I felt like I was cursed. I felt that a black cloud was over my head, nothing ever went right for me in my life, and I was hopeless, and I was helpless, and I was just so negative. So I used to wake up thinking uh, to myself, what horrible thing is going to happen today? And guess okay. what? Bad things would happen because I had declared defeat for that day. So there is something to be said for the power of positive thinking.
1: Right. And and when I,
3: oh, yeah. When I changed, you know, made that change by making God first in my life, I became empowered and now, I expect good things to happen in my life. I declare victory each and every day. I expect to win. I expect good things to happen. That doesn't mean my life's perfect. I have problems just like everybody else. However, sure. of by my faith, you know, I refuse to lose. I refuse to ever be back in a situation like that again. And God has blessed me with wisdom and knowledge far beyond anything that I could ever imagine in my life. And uh, like I said, my life's work now is reaching out and helping other people out of this evil darkness.
1: That's that's very inspiring, Bill. Um, It truly is. I think that that's a wonderful um, ministry, I guess you would call it. Um, Thank
3: you. Yeah, and it's it's something that I never, Rick, I never, ever in a million years thought that I would be doing. I thought that once I was free from that evil, I never ever wanted to be exposed to it, never wanted to be, you know, to roll my sleeves up and get my hands dirty in that way. And yet God had a different plan for me. And it really was a calling and I ignored it for a while until I couldn't ignore it any longer. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. I just you know, after that it, it's just I it's there's nothing better in a person's life when uh they become aware of what their purpose is in life and certainly for me this is something that i was this is something that god mapped out for me to do in helping other people
2: well and the other thing is that i think that you are living proof of something uh, a concept that i truly believe and that is um out of great darkness if we allow it can come great light
3: absolutely so i could not be and here's the way i look at this now I could not be where I'm at right now had I not been there. Do I wish I could change it? Absolutely, especially when it comes to the suffering of my mother, who suffered more than any other person I've ever seen in my life. So Mm -hmm. absolutely I wish I could change it, but I can't. So therefore, um, I'm happy now that God is working through me in this positive way to help other people, and therefore that brings joy and peace to me as well.
1: All right. You know, I do have a, you know, a question for you and and it begs the question. Um I I come from and so does Karen as well. We come from more of a parapsychology and psychical research um, mm-hmm. you know uh, that's that's our approach. Um that's what sure. we've known. So it and and I and I'm not a Christian, so but mm-hmm. um what I want to know is how did you know that it was a demon and not yeah. a, a poltergeist or you know, for some, some, some dead
2: guy who was a jerk in life. Exactly.
3: Yeah. So, how, how yeah, do you, there. You know? Well, there were many things that took place that would, you know, indicate that it was demonic, and uh, some of the things were, uh, you know, of course, the apparitions and the, and the physical attacks as well. And I mean, physical attacks. I, there, one occasion, my mom had just been attacked by an entity; she was being choked. And this was after my dad had left us and she, after the event was over, she was gasping for air. She got out of bed, went to get a glass of water. And when she opened the cupboard door, a glass was just by an unseen force had shot this glass out like a projectile. and struck my mom in the head, uh, right. busted her head wide open, knocked her out. She had to be taken to the hospital. She had to get stitches. Um, my mom also, I witnessed this, my mother being picked up by an unseen force and thrown through the air in her bedroom, thrown and landed into her makeup table and she was cut open once again. And my mom had cuts and scratches and bruises on her long after my dad had died. And man, foul odors would manifest out of nowhere. We'd hear chanting sometimes. It'd be like muffled type of chanting. You would never be able to understand what they were chanting. And we'd hear that in the hallway, and um, okay. the pets were being affected as well. Uh, mysterious deaths. We had many dogs and uh, other types of pets, and they would mysteriously be dead or they would go insane. Um, you name it, I mean, there's so many things. I, I could if I were to list everything that took place, we would have a series of shows, but unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, and, and I wish it were not so. But it it was demonic, and uh, these demons, the demonic forces, carried over into my adult life, and it nearly destroyed me in my adult years as well. You know, I mean, so this was a very concerted effort. And I think, in part, the reason for such an aggressive attack may be in the fact that uh, where I'm at now. And maybe they were trying to stop me and stop God from progressing me along to be where I'm at right now and helping other people.
2: Right. So um, a lot of people in chat are saying, hey, this sounds familiar. Now, your family's story was featured on A Haunting, correct?
3: Correct, yeah. It's it's still being shown to this day. It's one of the most watched and rebroadcast episodes in the history of the series. Mm -hmm. And that's where everything, you know, that's where the story really became popular and well known and so I thank uh, Discovery Channel and New Dominion Pictures for airing it and again everything happens for a reason in life there's no such thing as a coincidence and um, all of those horrible things that took place again I'm just very grateful to have a life now where I have peace and and I'm in a position to help other people but uh, truly uh, I regretfully say that the things, the events that took place and the entities that were in the house certainly were demonic. And uh, if you visit net, I have several websites, but my main site is net. If you visit that website, click on the gallery photos, and you will see some very disturbing images. One in particular was taken in 1968, and I was two years old, and this is before moving into the house. Okay. My sister was 11. We are seated behind a toy piano, Christmas time 68. My sister's to my left, to her far left, is this very tall, black hooded figure. It looks to be about seven feet tall. And it's wearing a black hood. It's unmistakable. It's right there. Uh, And this is one of many very disturbing images that were either taken or I have taken over the years. There's another image on the site of another hooded figure that I took in the year 2000. And so again, we see that there is a pattern here. And, and again, I have these photos to show. And unfortunately I don't take any glee or pride in showing these things, but it does show that something, uh, uh very, very ominous. And, uh, Very much um, supernatural paranormal was taking place and has been taking place over that period of time. Now, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, it all stopped in 2008 when I, again, made this conscious decision to make God first in my life. My wife and I got baptized together. And that's when it all stopped, and that's when my life really, really changed, and that's when God put the calling all my life to reach out and help other people. So for all of those years, most of my life, you know, I was having some form of activity. And, again, I've had many divine experiences as well. Mm-hmm. But that's when everything uh, in a demonic phase, stopped, and I became very empowered after being baptized in that way and, and being blessed and sealed and sanctified. And that's when my life changed. And that's when I became a powerful warrior for God.
2: Wow. So, you know, there are a lot of paranormal shows on television where you see some of the people kind of um, provoking, saying, come at me, throw." Oh. So, and, and, and people imitate that. Yeah, especially young new investigators who think that it looks And I know Rick already asked a little bit about that, but what do you say to these people who see that on TV and think that they'd like to to try that?
3: It's, uh, it's horrible. It's horrible, and it's the do not try at home. If ever there was a do not try at home, and uh, if people are involved in this field of paranormal investigation for the wrong reasons, well, they shouldn't be doing it. I mean, I would think that It'll if you're de- involved in something like that, and I'm sorry, go ahead, Rick.
1: I was just going to say, but you are like preaching to the choir right now. <laughs> you, yeah. Way, yeah. We feel very I mean, strongly
3: about it. It's so true. And, you know, people really need to take a step back. They see these shows and they want to be like, you know, the people, the post-hunter people or whatever, you know, these different shows. And, it's very sad because I have some of those people come to me for deliverance. You know, their lives became a shambles, and they felt cursed. And they felt that they had a, a demon on them, and it was destroying their life and their family's life and all this. And I get a lot of those kind of people that come to me for help. So I just say don't do it. You if know. you're doing it for the wrong reasons, please don't do it.
2: Yeah. And, and so the right reasons are what? To help? I mean, what, what helping do you think? Helping people,
3: yeah. Sense? That, that is the right reason. If you're doing anything to where you are helping others, you're trying to contribute to uh, the betterment of others and you are being selfless and reaching out to other people, that is a wonderful thing in whatever you do and however you're doing it. But if you're doing something uh to serve yourself, you know, when it comes to this type of thing, if you're uh serving yourself and you're trying to get 15 minutes of fame and build yourself up or say you're this or you're that, you're in trouble. And I, I'm sorry to say that, but great trouble is going to follow that.
1: No, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure I speak for Karen and everybody here at Paranormal Underground. We feel very strongly about that as well. Um, I do have a question for you concerning human spirits. Um, uh, I come, I, I come from a very uh, evangelical family, <clears throat> and when I was a child, it was always drilled into me: you either go to heaven or hell, and that's it. What are your thoughts concerning uh, people who stick around after death?
3: Yeah, and I. I- don't fully understand it. I believe it's so. I don't understand it. Uh, I'm very much, uh, uh, I guess, a white and black type of individual, you know, when it comes to the the evil, uh, the good evil, you know, the, uh, the light, darkness thing. However, you know, there is this middle ground that I don't understand, you know, how people some souls could stick around or they could come and visit. You know, maybe God gives permission for souls to come and visit their long-lost loved ones. I don't know, but I do know this, Mm -hmm. that Satan does impersonate our long-lost loved ones and the little boy or the little girl that might be reaching out. You know, it's not always this poor soul that needs to be freed or whatever. There is a thing called familiar spirits and there are demons who can impersonate you know these, uh, whether it's our loved ones or the little boy or the little girl or whatever. So we have to be very, very careful. Uh, for me, you know, again, I count on God to give me discernment. So it's through the power of God that I have discernment to know these types of things in my spirit right away.
1: Absolutely. You know what? Um, I, I talked to um, we talked to Robin Marie quite a bit. She's a she's a very good friend. I love of the
3: Robin. Show. She's my dear uh, friend.
1: Yeah, she's uh she is, she's one of the nicest ladies in the world. Um she's from what it. I under, yeah. From what I understand though that there is currently a movie being made. yeah, like be in box. Right.
3: Yeah. And uh we uh signed a deal with thirty five millimeter pictures and we have Anthony Coliano that's directing the film and I you know, I love all those people. They're great people. And I'm gonna see Anthony tomorrow in Pittsburgh. I'm appearing at his uh event there, the HorrorCon. Mm-hmm. and i'm um, very much looking forward to that and and uh yeah they uh the movie and i 'll tell you with any type of movie it's uh a hurry up and wait type of process so uh they get things going and then it gets into a holy pattern, and right now it 's kind of in a holy pattern and then it's it 's going to restart again but i'm very excited about it Dark Force the movie is the working title, mm-hmm. and uh, I was very happy that they uh, included me as executive producer to where I have the final say-so, and we wanted to keep it as authentic as possible. And so I'm very pleased, not pleased to present uh, a horrific story, but pleased present something to show people that no matter how bad a situation could be, um, God can help us to overcome these things, and we can go on, and we can have a quality of life, and we can be a blessing to others. So that's what it's all about for me.
1: Right.
2: Well, let's talk about your second book, delivered. Yeah,
3: that's all delivered. It... Yeah,
2: and so it's a continuation of your story. Um, how does it? Con- where does the first book leave off, and how does it continue the story?
3: Well, Dark Force leaves off when we leave the home in December of nineteen eighty, and then um, delivered kind of picks up after that. As I progress, uh, you know, I I was a a young kid and um, very bitter after the tragic
2: death of my mother and Yeah. So. Yeah.
3: And uh, so I lived in, um, in darkness and bitterness and emptiness for many, many years. And I quit school in the eighth grade and I um, lied about my age and went to work. And um, I had a very tough go for sure because I had to grow up really fast and I was a skinny, malnourished kid working uh, around some very hard-nosed, tough individuals in the construction industry, and it made me a very strong man, very fast, and, uh, so growing up fast, I didn't have any direction or guidance, uh, from my dad, you know, he had moved to Florida, and for many years, I had hated him for, you know, everything that had taken place, and I'm so thankful I was able to forgive him before his untimely death, and, uh, I just, I made a lot of mistakes, and, and not only making the mistakes as I was, you know, going into my adult years, I still had paranormal, supernatural things taking place as well.
2: Yeah. And
3: my life could have very easily have gone, it could have just went so differently. I could have been, I've been in many life-threatening situations during the course of my life. And um I also could, you know, I've made mistakes where I could have ended up in prison. And, again, I'm not proud to say this, but it's true, and I thought, well, if I'm doing this to try and reach out and help people, well, then I have to list some of these things that I'm ashamed of and and certainly not proud of. And So I did that, and I'll tell you, it really had an effect, it still does to this day, on some who read it, that their lives are similar, you know, and then making mistakes in life. It it really turns out to be a blessing where these people read this and then they reach out to me and say, wow, you know, right. I've done some of these things and, and if you turned your life around, I could turn my life around.
2: Right. And I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, if you reach that one person with that message, you know, more power to you. That's what needs to be done. So,
3: Absolutely. That's what it's all about. You know, every, every person's life touches another in some way, shape, or form. So we always hope that it's in a good way, you know. We always want to be a positive influence on someone, right? So that's what it's all about, you know. With me, is trying to be the best each and every day, right?
1: Now, let me ask you this, Bill: the the, uh, the psychological impact. Um, I work in the uh, in the psychology field, and uh, okay, there there I, I oftentimes hear from people who do suffer from extreme hauntings that they have tendency to suffer from post traumatic stress disorder. Um, yeah. anxiety, depression. Um, have you experienced any of these things?
3: Absolutely. Yes, I did. And um, certainly, after the again, after the tragic passing of my mother and grandmother, absolutely, sure. you know, I, I just uh, I can recall getting up, and it seemed to happen a lot on Sundays. I would get up and uh, maybe use the bathroom, and they'd come back and sit, in a dark room, in total darkness, in total silence until it was time to go to bed. I did that many, many times, and I'll tell you, just being kind of thing again, just that total darkness and just being so empty and in so much pain for so long. I mean, I, I can't tell you guys how bad yeah. it was.
2: So did you um, get any any mental health care for that then? Did you seek out help?
3: No, actually, I I lived that way for such a long time and just did so many things that were counterproductive and so many things, almost like sabotaging myself, you know, to where I just, I got into a a period to where I felt like I was unworthy, to where I didn't deserve to be happy, didn't deserve anything good or whatever. And I, you know, again, lived that way for so long and I just have to credit God for pulling me out of that, you know, And, and so when you guys hear me, Continue to praise God. I mean, I, I mean it. It's true, and I'm not a, I'm not, uh, I'm a non-denominational minister. Okay, I mm-hmm. love all people. I don't judge anybody. I have studied Christianity at length, and ancient religions, and ancient history. And I do know. Uh, I'm confident in saying that the Bible is not the infallible Word of God because men have greatly altered it. Uh, oh, bless case- you. Wow, that it's was a, that's a very it's, honest. <laughs> yeah, the King James is sixty-six books uh, from six hundred. There were five hundred thirty-four that were left out of the canonization, mm-hmm. and um, so there's much more to the story. And uh, since thirty A.D., there are thirty-four thousand different Christian denominations, and twelve hundred in the United States alone. And most are not in agreement with each other. So what does that tell you? I mean, it right. just uh, right. you know, we have these divisions. So I refuse to be a part of any man's doctrine or version or interpretation. So this is where I have my personal connection with God. I let God try to be a blessing to all people and love all people.
2: I like to hear that. So yes, that's <laughs> that's a very refreshing thing to hear and I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, I, I my my own personal thing is what I'm always fascinated with is trying to find in the New Testament the historical Jesus versus the Jesus of the New Testament. So that's Exactly.
3: I, and you'll see God to have me back for another show, because we'll go over that. And and again, I don't mean to offend anybody. I I love all people. I have no axe to grind with anyone, but I'm a truth seeker. So I I speak the truth, I seek the truth, and I want to know the truth so I can teach the truth. And the truth of the matter is um, I could give you three different versions of the so-called last words on the cross that Jesus said. You know I mean? It depends on what gospel you read. And there's not four gospels 150 Gospels. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. People don't realize this. And, and, some and of them again, I'm even not written bashing, by women. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bashing Christianity, I'm not bashing anybody, but I'm telling the truth. And I tell right. people, don't take my word for it. Do the research for yourself and you'll find some very, very uh, disturbing truth.
1: Well, uh, you know, the, one of the things I always found really Kind of funny about our concept of Jesus, I mean Jesus kind of looks like my wife's best friend's husband <laughs> long blonde hair, not
3: yeah, a bad looking guy, guy
1: blue eyes, and I saw something on I think it was uh oh uh, God national geographic they uh, showed,
3: no, I do, yeah, yeah,
1: what Jesus really would have looked like, and he looked right. like a kind of a rough guy,
3: yeah, exactly, and you know, I always thought about that and. And it's beyond my understanding. I do believe that Yahshua, you know, that's the Hebrew name, the Hebrew name, which means Yahweh saved. The yeah. name Jesus is only 400 years old. And, right. and again, I'm not bashing anybody or anything, but look it up. I mean, the letter J does not exist in the Hebrew to this day. The letter J right. was the last letter added to the English alphabet. It's 400 years old.
2: Right. Yeah. It was Yeshua. So, it's like Yeshua Ben Pentera or something like that. Was yeah. And yeah. you know,
3: I people think when you say these things, some people say, "Oh, he's hellbound, You can't talk like that. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I've researched these things. I prayed about it first, and I asked God to reveal truth to me. And I certainly believe, I certainly believe that He has. And uh, so when I said that He's led me to wisdom and knowledge far beyond my understanding, it's true. And so I'm very confident in saying these things, and I I, I urge people to do the research for themselves. Don't take my word for it. Do the research.
1: Right.
2: So I'm very curious, uh, getting kind of back on um, your experiences, and that you never got the mental health care. So when you sat down to write the book, how cathartic was that for you?
3: Uh, Well, I'll tell you this. It was very much cathartic, and it was... uh, it was painful as well because I sure. had to relive it all. Sure. And I yeah. thought to myself, how in the world did we endure it for so long? How did we do it? Well, you know, it was likely to become zombie-like, really, very much so, to where we had even become cold to each other. And uh this is part of how demons operate. It is a divide-and-conquer tactic.
2: So when they isolate you just like an abuser and-
3: does. Sure. And when people are together, uh, that saying, a family that prays together stays together, uh, it's true. When people are united, we're very strong. But when we're divided, we're easily conquered. And that's exactly what minions do. It's a divide and conquer tactic. And when people uh, become isolated, they become very weak. And when they become weak, look out. Uh, they're in big trouble.
1: So we have a we have a question um from Chad. His question is does he believe in the Holy Spirit and what does he think that is?
3: Yes, I do. I think that when Yahweh created uh, when he created us, he created each and every one of us with a piece of himself inside. Therefore, the holy spirit does dwell within each of us and when we activate that mighty and holy power we become armed and dangerous against satan and his minions absolutely i believe that
2: so it's so you're saying that it's the it's god living in and through us is what the holy because that's yeah, one of the hardest be, concepts for people to get is is the holy spirit or the holy
3: ghost sure and you know jesus referred to this Time. He, he talked about it many times. If people miss that point, they miss what he was saying. Hmm.
1: Correct. I think I think people missed a lot of what what the historical Jesus would have had to say. Had to
3: say. <laughs> Absolutely correct. You know, and again, I am not bashing anyone. I love all people, and God is first in my life. I do believe that Jesus uh, did exist. Yahshua did exist and I certainly believe that the holy spirit is real but we're we're speaking truth here and the truth of the matter is people really need to do more research and really connect with god and and let god guide you in these answers and these truths
2: you know what's interesting is when i started to do my research into the historical jesus and it was that it's something that i've always pursued but um my my father does a lot of research as well um into it. And so he's recommended a lot of authors. I read things like John Dominic Crossan and um, Marcus Borg and authors like that who, who really delve into the historical Jesus. And so what, what I found was so interesting is that what the, the ministers that I've talked to about it say is, well, they teach you that in seminary, but it's just not something that we share with our followers.
3: Yeah, how about that? Isn't that yeah. amazing? And furthermore, there are 20,000 translation er- uh, errors. You know, when they transferred that from Hebrew and Aramaic into the coin Greek, there's 20,000 translation errors. So, I mean, it's just yeah. uh, it's something that needs to be seriously researched. And I urge people to pray about it first, ask God to guide you in this, and then start digging because I'll tell you, Knowledge is power, and i 'm um, a truth seeker and a knowledge seeker. I want to know as much as I possibly can because it is true sure.
2: so let's let 's get into helping some people so sure. say somebody moves into a house and there 's a darkness there or there 's something there. That that is oppressing them or frightening them or, or things like that. Um, what can they do, and where can they go for help?
3: Well, the first thing that I would do, any home that you're moving into, any dwelling, I would have that blessed. I don't care where it is, what it is, if it's brand new or whatever. I would have you know a minister come and bless the home. And people can really bless their own homes themselves as well. But that would be the first step. And if they, you know, came into an environment and certainly if they're feeling the presence of evil, absolutely, you know, get get a minister. My third book is called Ten Steps to Victory and that is a guide for people on how they can um you know, by the, the mighty power of God that's with every front of us, how they could stand up and be warriors for God and fight against evil, and I have a lot of very valuable information in there about that.
1: You know, there we talked we covered talked about it a little bit earlier with um, you know the television shows. There really is a lot of misinformation um, in, in in the paranormal <laughs> you field, think basically. So? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of misinformation. I mean, how do you get past the? Um, I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible, but it's really really difficult for me to He's do so. To, being so
2: all the, the crap, the
1: garbage. How do you get past the garbage and then really? educating people on this subject?
3: Well, uh, <laughs> that's easier said than done. Sure. Because Because um, the paranormal has become a business. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's uh, a big business. So there's a marketing machine behind that now. And so you have a lot of people that are really following after that. So I just urge people to step back and outside of things. And if you're really seeking the truth, then, uh, you know, you've got to really step outside of what's taking place. Certainly, in, in that genre, uh, step back, step out of it. And if you really want to know truth, well, then seek truth.
1: Exactly. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And we, we talk about this on the show quite a bit. And we've actually had, you know, I've, I've spoken to people, and I'm not just talking about guests, that it really does seem as if people are out to be famous, and as a person yeah. who's been involved in this research for you know 32 years now, I can't see how anybody can be a rock star, because when I go on an investigation, I'm sitting in a basement for four and a half hours waiting for a ball to roll across the floor.
3: That's that's not very glamorous, is
1: it? <laughs> no, it's not very glamorous. <laughs>
2: it's not glamorous at all. I don't wear makeup. My hair's in a ponytail. It's dark, you know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, so, I mean, again, it's the perception and and the way the PR marketing machines—it's uh, the the way it's marketed now is it's a very rock starish type of thing. Oh, that's you know, so it's so you know he's he's this, he's that. Well, that's you know, that is the PR machine behind that that uh, elevates people and and gives them that status.
1: Right. Um, now, do you and
3: nothing do, against anyone? I mean, I have a lot of friends in the paranormal field, and I love them, but sure. you know that's just the fact of the matter that's that's what <laughs> takes place now that's how it works
1: yeah
2: yeah it it is it's it's you know it, but i I think that that's just a microcosm of what's going on in society because now we elevate guys who drive trucks across ice roads and guys who work yeah, on crab yeah.
1: boats and those guys are awesome
2: and and <laughs> chefs and I mean everybody's
3: you know everybody's trying to
2: be the next kardashian
3: well it's it's called reality t v and it's awesome uh, everybody wants their you know their fifteen minutes and you know, when we lift people up, like you know, again, nothing against anybody, but you know, the Kardashians. What have they ever done to be famous? Um, They're famous for being people famous. People follow after them. Yeah, people yeah. follow after them. And, I hear people
2: think uh, that she has a nice butt.
3: Well, yeah, I mean that's that's what uh, that's what you hear about her, and uh, but she's elevated and lifted up, and uh, you know, her family is as well, and people follow after them, and. Uh, Here's the way I'll say it, and certainly I'm not perfect. I make mistakes just like everybody else. I'd be the first to admit it. Oh yeah. Uh but I try to be the best that I can be each and every day. And people do follow me. I do have a following. And I try to set example for those people so I to be accountable. I have to be the best that I can be to set that example and always hope that it's a, a good positive example that I'm setting for somebody. And So it's very important for me to always try and set that good example and and plant good seeds with people. Unfortunately, we don't see that with some other people, and it's it's really having a negative effect.
2: Yeah. Well, in a society that elevates people for having a nice butt or being able to swing a baseball bat or, you know, whatever it is, and we have all of that happen, um, I think that we lose a big part of our desire to be compassionate, kind, and caring human beings because, you are exactly by, right. G- according to what we value in our society, which is fame and money, and all of that stuff, and and beauty, and all of those things, um, instant
3: gratification.
2: Instant gratification. Yeah. So, because we have those values we see that the kindness and the compassion and the setting a good example and living by morals and living by um, a personal code, a personal set of values, um, having integrity, things like that. We see that as getting us nowhere based on what we value as a society.
3: You are exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very sad.
2: So I have a big long chest question from Chad and, chat. So, let me take a look at it here. He says, what do you make of the Apocrypha and other texts, not in the Bible, such as the Nag Hammadi texts that are purported yes. to tell a different story than what the Bible gives? I hope I pronounced Chad's words right. Yeah, and
3: and that is something to consider. And there are many writings, and, and there are many religions around the world, and I said, and people might get upset by me saying this, but I just can't condemn people because they don't believe the way I believe and say they're hellbound. I just can't do it. That's not my place to do it. That's between that person and God. We're all guilty of something. We all do something that is not pleasing to God. However, I refuse to go and condemn people for whatever uh, they believe or however they believe it. I just can't do it and I won't do it. And, you know, to say different groups of people around the world are hellbound because they don't believe like we believe, I just I'm sorry, I can't do it, I won't do it.
1: Good, Uh, then I don't feel like I'm in trouble with you then.
3: No, I mean again, (laughs) whatever (laughs) your your beliefs are, that's between you and God. I can, No matter what it is, I could still call you friend, I could still respect you, I could still show love and compassion and kindness to you no matter what it is. And that's that's your personal choice that's between you and God. All I can do is be a friend and help you if you need my help and be there for you when you need my help. And that's it.
2: Well, and I, I was telling Rick at the top of the show, people do the best they can, given the tools they have at the time, and when they know better, they do better. I, I believe that. I believe in the best in people, which apparently my husband tells me is really naive, but well, there see, you go. God
3: God gives us, we have that discernment, each and every one of us. We know what is right and what is wrong. We know it. It's built into us. However... God gave us free will, so we're free to make our choices, and sometimes that gets us into trouble.
2: I agree. I, I, You're right. <laughs> See, but that's, um. so one of the questions that I get, and so I'm going to pose it to you, because I have my answer. Um, people come up to me a lot, and they say, how do you reconcile Christian beliefs, or even a belief in God? Because, um, I don't consider myself Christian in the traditional sense of Christianity in that I believe that Jesus was a living man, and I, but I'm not sure about the, that Jesus was any more divine than the rest of us are, and that mm-hmm. we're all design, divine. But people come up and they say, well, how can you reconcile what you do with um, communicating with spirits and that type of thing? And, and how do you reconcile that with a belief in God?
3: Well... Again, it comes down for me, not judging anyone. And if that's your path, if that's what you've, uh, you know, been called to do and you feel that in your spirit, well, then how can I say, you know, you're, you're hellbound, you're damned or whatever? Uh, that is between you and God. Now, you know, whatever I do and the way I do it, uh, that's between God and I as well. You know, I mean, uh, I cannot and will not condemn anybody for what they do. I mean, everybody knows the difference between right and wrong, everybody's free to make their choices, and we all have our connection with God. We all do.
1: Mm, Indeed. You know, Bill, let me just ask you this. You do a lot of, um, you know, paracons. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I see that. Um, And I'm just wondering, where do you see all of this going for yourself? What is well, what is the five year plan for Bill Peen?
3: Oh man!
1: I <laughs> Concerning go in so this, circles.
3: okay, uh, you know my life has been a, a journey, and again, it couldn't be where I'm at right now had I not been there. There's a reason for everything, and obviously, the reason um, for this is for me to be in a position to be something this positive way. For instance, um, two weeks ago, I was in Minneapolis appearing at a professional wrestling event. And I actually took part in the wrestling I match. Saw I
2: saw that know. you had, yeah. I saw that you had been at a professional wrestling
3: event. What, what exactly so, was your role? My role, I was asked to appear at this event and I, I appeared, but then they asked me, I have a background. Um, I was trained as a fighter and, and I was, uh, 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 a power lifter and, uh, martial arts I was involved in that and I was a bar bouncer for 22 years and uh, I wrote about that in delivered and um so I do have a background like that and I was many years ago being trained as a professional wrestler and I had a severe injury that prohibited me from moving forward in that and um so they asked me to appear you know as Bill Bean author and Bill Bean star discover a haunting thing and this and that but it evolved into them asking me to be a participant in their main event, which I was, that it was really, it was a very good experience. I oh, enjoyed it. What a kick it. in
2: the pants, yeah.
3: The, the <laughs> people were great. They were all great. Brian Dorn, uh, a.k.a. Ian Xavier from the IWI, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And he's like a brother to me And. uh Just the whole experience was great. I really enjoyed it, and they want me to come back in April, and I look forward to that as well. So, my life is just a journey. I let God guide me to where He wants me and where He'll have me to be. And you never know, I just turn up in some of the strangest circles, and it's just uh, everything's a blessing. I just look at everything as uh, a positive, and the glass always being half full. And I just endlessly praise God for this. You are my life kind
2: of guy. Yeah. You are. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> well, and the other thing is that again, um with your your belief system and just this really amazing attitude that you have, don't you think that you get asked to turn up at all of these kind of odd events like a wrestling thing or something, because there's that one person there who needs to know what you have to say?
3: Exactly right. So that's why I say it's all part of the journey, you know. So I let God guide me. I mean, the week before that, I was in Altoona, Pennsylvania, performing a wedding for a couple, and you know, so I it just it, you never know what what someone is going to need and how God is going to guide you in it. So I mean, I'm just open to let God guide me in however He will, and uh, I just His will be done. That's the way I look at it.
2: How do you? How do you find the capacity to give up that level of control? Do you understand what I'm asking? Again, I'm asking yeah. it
3: back, I think. Okay. It's, it's all about faith. It's just all about faith. I have a million percent faith in what God is doing. I thank Him for what He's done. I thank Him for what He's doing, and I thank Him for what He's going to do. So it's all about faith. My faith is rock solid. And uh, yeah. so it's just... I just, it's automatic for me. It's something that is absolutely automatic to where I just believe so strongly and trust in God so much that I just, I let him guide me. And each and every time, i tell you, God's made a way for me where there was no way. And that is the truth. I mean, there were times that I was so down and out and yet prayed and asked for a way and asked, for God to help me, and He has, I mean, so many times. So how could I ever deny Him when He's done so much for me?
2: Yeah, how did you know to, when you were in your darkest times, how did you know to ask? How did you know who to ask? How did you know to pray?
3: Well, when we get that far down, you know, we can either reach out and, and ask God for help, or, you know, we can just think further and further and then just uh just give up. And that leads to uh that leads eventually leads to death. Sure. And, um, sure. so I, I lived like that for so long and then decided to choose life. And for me, you know, God's life God is everything good to me. And so that is how I live my life, and that's how I live my life for the rest of my life and beyond.
2: So, did it come to you in a moment of grace, or was it something that was gradual?
3: Gradual. It it was gradual, because uh, it requires mindset change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could pray all day long, and we, you know, say that uh, we're saved, and we're this, and we're that, but it requires a mindset change. So, uh, where we see the scriptures in James, where it says, uh, faith without the works, is dead. It's true. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't put that into action by your works, it's nothing. So they go hand in hand. Yeah. So okay. Guys, if I'm, if I'm suddenly gone, I'm sorry to tell you that now my phone is dying. I'm hearing oh. it beep. So if I'm suddenly gone, okay. that's, what, that's what happens. Well,
2: let's do this then. Um we're about, we were just at about the time where we were going to head into shameless self-promotion corner anyway. And so anything that you would like to shamelessly self-promote, now is the time, Bill Bean.
3: Well, first of all, I want to thank both of you so much for having me. And again, I apologize late. Yes, it's okay. It's a okay. pleasure to have been on with you. And I hope that you have me back again soon to where we can really have, uh, get sure. into real length and depth at some of these things. Sure. But for anybody out there and I, I want to thank your listeners for listening as well. And uh for anyone out there who would like to get copies of my books, uh please visit my website www.billbean.net, and uh get your copies of Dark Force or delivered or my new book 10 Steps to Victory.
2: All right. And those yeah. are all are those all available on electronic format in electronic formats as well?
3: Um they're not, but for people who can't afford to buy copies. If you send me an email, I'll send you a free PDF.
2: Oh, wow. Nice. Well, that's absolutely lovely. So, um, we are going to cut you loose because I know you're hungry. I know it's late. Sorry. And I know your phone is dying. So, thank you <laughs> for, for being kind enough to stick around with us when yes, you had you, so God. much going on.
3: Well, I thank you both, and I look forward to coming back on again soon. And um, let's let's talk and let's uh, get some dates set up here. And I look forward to coming back.
2: Yeah, we'll have That's Cheryl amazing. get in touch with you. She schedules all that for us. Rick and I don't know our own and, schedules. We just we just yeah. uh, let Cheryl handle I that. I totally
3: so. understand it. And look, I, I just wish She's the best a for you guys. I send you many blessings, and uh, just I, I hope that you're blessed and flourished in, in everything that you do.
2: Oh, thank you so much. You have a wonderful evening and have a safe trip home.
3: Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Bill. Good night,
2: Bill. All right, everybody, that was Bill Bean, billbean.net. And um wow, what a what a really humble and and genuine guy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And going through the kind of um hell that he went through and then coming literally, back to be yeah. literally and you know be having, you know, such a you know what i'm listening to the guy and it's like i cannot help but think that it's a this is one of the um most humble uh most dedicated people i've ever talked to and i enjoyed you know talking to him
2: yeah me too absolutely um so fantastic uh pick up his books and you know you can start with i'm sorry tell me what it was called again i just flew out of my head
1: dark force
2: start with dark force because that's the beginning of the story when starting when he was four years old and he moved into a house with his family where something very dark was there
1: yeah yeah um
2: <laughs> but it's not, want- i'm not gonna have nightmares because <laughs> it's ultimately his it a story of hope
1: well, I won't be having any nightmares tonight because I have to go to work as soon as we're off the air here. <laughs> so, I, you know what? Actually, I will be dealing with 12 little nightmares when I get to work.
2: Oh, see. Well, I have I have five little nightmares that run around my house on four paws each. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, Monkey's not a nightmare. Just the other dogs and the cat. Oh, monkey are cute. Oh, they're very cute. They're just dogs. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah. They've been, and I have to apologize to our listeners, they have been bat-blank crazy tonight that just barking almost constantly.
1: Well, you know, you have a lot of uh, activity that goes on in your home. They may be reacting to that.
2: Uh, I think what they were reacting to was that Tanner had somebody over. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jim came home. And, you know, then they were just, by then they were in practice. Now they're all exhausted.
1: Right. You know what? And they get to listen to you every week.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) They do. When I um, I used to do it in the back room, you know, and I'd shut the door. But the thing was, the door didn't really block out the sound of the dogs that much. Mm -hmm. And then I would open the door at the end of the week or at the end of the night, and they'd all be sitting there around the around the bedroom door, and I'd always feel so guilty. They're talking about me and shiny objects in chat. Man, my friends are mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I joke around with Jamie's sister a lot, uh, like that because um, if anything were to ever happen to Jamie and I, her sister and her husband are our go-to people. And uh, with with uh, you know, as as it pertains to Theo, and um, she's the same way. She kind of has a tendency when she sees something pretty and shiny to gravitate to that area, kind of forgetting everything else. And one time she was holding Theo's hand, I think it was when we were up in the Wisconsin Dells, and she lets go to look at a pair of moccasins that are in a window. And Jamie and I are like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, shiny. Exactly.
2: (laughs) So, hey, you know, we're going to be off next week, but Cheryl just mentioned in chat, and I thought I should uh, also mention, is that when we come back, we're going to be talking to Raymond Moody. Oh, the uh, hero again. M- m- he He's an influence. Let's call him a big influence. influence. Okay. Yes. Um, author of Life After Life, and sorry, there's that stupid dog again. He was sitting on my feet, so he seemed exceedingly loud this time. Um, uh-huh. Anyway... And we want to give you guys the opportunity to ask questions of him. And since we're not going to have a chance to remind you next week, we'll remind you this week if you'd like to ask Raymond Moody a question. Because I got most of my questions answered the last time I talked to him. Um, He's answering questions about near-death experiences. He's answering questions about how to experience your loved ones after they've died. And he's answering questions about reincarnation and and other areas of his research as well. So if you have a question for Dr. Moody, please email them to us. You can email them to editor at paranormalunderground.net. You can submit them on Paranormal Underground's Facebook page. You can submit them on my Facebook page. Or you can email them to me, Karen Fraser. F R A Z I E R one nine six five at mac m a c dot com. It's Karen Fraser nineteen sixty five at mac.com We'd really like to have lots of your questions for Doctor Moody um, yeah. because you know Rick and I ask good questions and things, but sometimes our listeners have even better ones. And since yeah. I'm so from, here's the thing. Okay, so I can't wait to talk to Doctor Moody. I love him. I think he's amazing. We had such a good time with him last mm-hmm. time, but. I know his work so intimately
1: that I almost don't know what to ask him. Don't you hate when that happens?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Did you do that last week?
1: You you know what? A little bit. I kind of blinked on a couple of things, but um, you know, it's like talking. Know
2: their work so well.
1: Yeah, talking to Brad Steiger was amazing for me because it was one of my influences. But at the same time, it's like an hour is not long enough, and that's what we experienced with Dr. Moody. Just an hour is not long enough. Well, exactly,
2: but but again, at the same time, even with that being the case, I know his work so well, because I've read it so many times, and I've read all of it, that I don't always know even what to ask, because I know the answers to the questions that I'm asking. Mm Mm-hmm. So it seems weird. So yeah. we would really love your questions. Um, it's a fascinating topic. And actually, what's really cool is we have some topics. Cheryl, you want to turn on your mic? We have some topics coming hey. up um, where we're looking at questions of of life after death in a way other than ghosts.
1: Cheryl?
0: Yes. Um, oh, yes. wow, my microphone's so loud. Um, we
1: are. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> didn't mean to shout you here. sound your. like uh,
1: Cookie Monster Rock there for a second.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch out, I'll make more Cookie Monster Rock. <laughs> By the way, that was a
0: really good interview with Bill Bean. Um, yeah, it's very great. Yeah, very, guy. very, very tragic story, yet very inspirational at the same time. So, well, thanks to Bill Bean for sharing that with us, and we'll definitely have to have him back on to continue that discussion. Nice. Yeah, so. totally. Yes. We yes. yeah, we are definitely having guests on that um are taking a spiritual look. We usually talk more paranormal investigation and that kind of thing. Um but yeah, we do the two, the two go hand in hand because do, I'm, I am the
2: marriage of those two approaches.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. The, sp- the yeah.
2: spiritual and the paranormal.
0: Right, and, and so we're going to be talking, like you said, um, life after death, life between lives, near-death experience. We're going to have um, s- someone on November 21st, uh, her name is Bryn Blankenship, and she's going to talk also about, um, uh, oh, I just blanked, what's the LBL, term? LBL, life Thank between you. lives. Yeah, and mm. as well as um, hypnotherapy uh, for, um, I believe it's called uh, past life Past life regression? regression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I've so. had
2: both of those kinds of hypnotherapy. Okay. and never had so anything a, like that. I've experienced haven't either. both of those things. And Cheryl knows. I mean, because I've written... Have I written about my experiences you did? two or three times for the magazine, you the past life think, stuff? Yeah, two or three times. Yeah. And I've never written about the... Li- and I've had more than those two or three that I've written about for the magazine, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I have never, ever hardly I mean I've barely even spoken about my life between lives hypnotherapy because it was such a deeply meaningful and personal experience mm-hmm. um, and the reason I'm telling you guys this is because honest to god if you get the opportunity to do this oh my god do it
0: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah I think that would be- oh, well, yeah, you know you've read you've read yeah. Dr. Newton's books Cheryl can yeah. you imagine how incredible that would be to go through that experience you actually yeah. go through because how they take you into life between lives, and we'll cover this, of course, when we talk to Brim Blankenship as well, but what they do is they take you into a past life. And then they take you through the death experience. So, you actually have like this hypnotic version of a near-death experience, except wow. that you're really dead. I mean, but you're not dead. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So, you actually wind up on the other side, and once you've been to the other side, and you can see what's there it's almost indescribable because it's so different from anything we can describe here i mean we can describe it in general terms but it changes everything
0: you know what worries me about the whole thing what's that (laughs) And it's really weird that this would be what is worrying me about the whole thing is that I won't be able to be regressed or hypnotized
2: that well, you know that that is a was a huge concern of mine, yes, um, when I had that first past life regression that I wrote for in um I can't even remember um what it was now um it was like. 2009, I think, wasn't it? I
0: think it was, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was like the September of 2009 issue or something. And when I went through that first one, and mm-hmm. I was at a very different place than I am now, Let so mm-hmm. let's be real clear about that. And right. I thought, there is no way. Yeah. There's no I way. remember that. And I was able to be hypnotized. But then what I had to do, and again, Cheryl can <laughs> confirm this, is I went through and everything i saw i had to research yeah. to verify that it could be realistic right yeah because i just didn't and then the, i did the same thing with the second one where i thought i was a puppet
0: yeah a oh puppet. yeah that's right well the first one you did i think it was for our our reincarnation issue like it was, and that was such then. a cool issue yeah it was such, it was in september of 2009 i believe or was it two thousand and eight? I can't even remember. It, right it, now, it, it was it was in the first year of the magazine. I think it was eight, two thousand eight. Yeah. Hey guys,
1: excuse me one second. I just wanted to say thank you for uh, everybody listening, but um, I gotta go. I gotta get going here. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you in about two weeks. All right, bye, Rick. So, bye. Sorry, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's all right. Bye-bye. Bye,
2: bye. Um, bye. Anyway, so yeah, it was just it was. Um, the The first several times that I did it, mm-hmm. and I've probably had four now. So, the, probably, the, no, I've had five, I think. The first three that I did, um, and the very first one was really difficult because I also knew, because I was doing it so I could write about it. Yeah. And so, I felt this tremendous pressure to perform mm-hmm. as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and... The same thing with the second one, you know, I worried, am I going to give stupid answers, blah, 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 but it it worked, and so, then, in order to do the life between lives, the guy that did my um, LBL hypnotherapy, Howard Uh Beatty, a guy here in town, he actually had me do a past life regression, too, because he wanted to make sure that I actually could be hypnotized. Oh,
0: wow, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, because I had told him about my other experiences and writing about them and mm-hmm. how I felt about it, so he actually took me through another one, and then the final one, he took me into another past life, um, my most recent one, um, mm-hmm. so that I could go through that and um, do the life between lives between this life and my most
0: recent. Wow. Yeah. So you've had a lot of experience being hypnotized or regressed.
2: Motazed. Yeah. I I know. What I really should do is, like, um, have them hypnotize me to not like chocolate anymore or something. (laughs) Right. You know, I keep asking them to give me that (laughs) post-hypnotic suggestion, but they never do because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't go Mm -hmm. with the... (laughs) doesn't go with what I'm doing, apparently. Yeah. Apparently, I would have cognitive dissonance as if I was coming out of my (laughs) life-between-lives hypnotherapy. And they said, um, oh, and you know the other thing they did? I'm sorry. That's what I'm just sorry. So... Before you go into your la- most recent past life, they actually, and this was really weird, they take
0: you back into your mother's womb. Wow. Yeah. A- and you actually went there? Mm-hmm. Oh my, I can't even imagine that. It was pretty tight. <laughs> what, yeah? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I want to do it, but I'm scared.
2: Well, it's not. It, what, you, what are you scared of other than not being able to be hypnotized?
0: I mean, I think that's my main concern, but then what if what if you what if you do are there any like psychological consequences? Like what if you undergo something you find out something that's traumatic or
2: it was you in a past life? Yeah. I went through my own death.
0: Oof. Wow. Yeah. So the, the really the long-lasting effects are just for for you have been um amazing. Okay.
2: For me, they've been a total shift in the way that I view my mm-hmm. um, my work as a paranormal investigator. Okay. My work as a writer. The work I do at Wellington. Yeah. The work I do when I communicate with spirits. It's, it's changed how I view all of that. Mm-hmm.
0: That's me Rob I have a know, sorry.
2: Rob, <laughs> that's okay. sorry. Rob wants to know if the guest could hypnotize someone live on the air. You know, we actually oh, talked about having somebody we did. do that once. We did but the problem is is that the induction of mm-hmm. it often takes a long time and that's pretty boring. And the other thing is being hypnotized um it's a very personal experience. Yeah, I find I can imagine. Uh, at least in that way because you're finding things out about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, there's a reason that I've never written about um, my last couple of past life regressions and that life between lives, and it's that it's just it's it's um, really personal.
0: Yeah, yeah i i I think it could be very personal and very emotional. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely it's it's a sensitive, a sensitive area to go to.
2: I have to tell you, I have never once and this is really funny because mm-hmm. I fight crying with everything mm-hmm. I am not a crier okay. I mean if i'm crying, something's wrong okay uh you know i I fight it I don't like other people to see me cry, yeah, and every single time i've been regressed, you cry like a baby, like a no big, control oh. over it, and my conscious mind mm-hmm. while i 'm doing this is just appalled. <laughs> <It's> really-
0: <laughs> You're like, what is going on here? Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I'm Every crying. single time, and yet the tears are pouring down my face, and there's this part of me, and I mean, it's not just like, it's not just you know, like the the beautiful single tear rolling down my cheek. Uh-huh. It's the damn ugly cry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know. I when I started really reading up on this was many years ago, and I keep I always go back to this book. It's Dr. Brian Weiss's book, uh, Many, uh-huh. many Lives, masters. masters, Many Lives. Yeah. And uh, I wish we could get him on for an interview. I've tried, oh, I, I tell you. <laughs> I've tried. He was my...
2: I read him after yeah. I read Newton. You read Weiss first and, and then, then Newton. Noon. I did yeah. it the other way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: hmm Yeah. Oh, before I forget, not to go off topic, but I have to say, did mm. Patty text you during the show? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, I just had to get that out there because we had a little pre-show discussion about her texting you. So
2: I have heard. Hi, Patty.
0: <laughs> What?
2: I was not going to mention a thing about Patty texting. I have I had
0: some texts during the show. But not from Patty.
2: I'm not going to say who they are from. Okay. At least three
0: of them were not from Patty. <laughs> All right. Next show, I promise I won't bring it up.
2: <laughs> I turned off my buzzer and I wasn't. I,
0: it's okay. We like texts. We
2: do like texts. We do. The Tears of a Clown, Chad, really? (laughs) Tears of a Clown. Isn't that that song, Tears of a Clown? It's like Smokey Rhymes. Yeah, yeah, Smokey Rhymes. So anyway, just for anybody who's curious and would like to learn more about this Life Between Lives stuff, before our guest comes on in a couple of weeks, um, the books are by Brian Weiss, Many Masters, Many Lives. I think it's that way. It might be backwards. It might Maybe be left.
0: backwards. I always get it wrong. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and then um, Michael Newton, Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls.
0: Yeah, and um, I have a couple of uh, Doctor Moody's books on my bookshelf, and now I'm forgetting. Was it Life, Life Between, Life Lives? After Life, Life After Life? Okay. What's the other? What's the other big one that um, followed? Oh or my
2: gosh! I, I can't remember. Don't even know. Oh well. So his most recent one is kind of a great overview of all of his work, and it's called. Paranormal. It, oh. It's just, that's the name of it, Paranormal. Have by to, Dr. I haven't Randall read that P. one. I'm going to have to
0: read it. It's a great,
2: it's a good one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I need
2: people who don't know much about him or who want to know more to ask questions because
0: mm-hmm. I don't know what to ask because I know <laughs> all the answers. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be a great follow up show. And yeah, He's um, a
2: wonderful guy. He was great to talk to a you a last very time Very nice. Yeah. All right. Nice. So, reminder we are off on Halloween. Yes. So we will be back in two weeks. I believe it's the Seven.
0: Seventh.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah, we will be back on November 7th with Raymond Moody. Send those questions to us. Yes, editor please. at Um So in two weeks, we'll see you at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on the hazy radio network. Have a good night.
0: Bye.